Welcome to the Discover You podcast, where we take a deep dive into who you are and why you do what you do. If you're ready to learn how to be a better you, you're in the right place. And now, the host of Discover You, James Hooper. Hey guys, welcome back to the Discover You podcast. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to listen. I have such an awesome treat in store for you today. Uh, but first, let me read uh, from the chapter on the encourager out of the book, Discover You. If you don't have the book, you can go to discoveryou-book.com, and, and uh, there's a link there. You can access it to Amazon, or you can download the first chapter for free to listen to, to read it and see if you're interested. And there's also the assessment. But in page uh, 83 in the chapter called Encourager, I just want to read uh, a little passage for you exactly how I wrote it. The book says, usually a charismatic leader draws people to them. I know a preacher who fits the bill of a charismatic leader. He pastors his own church, but he also travels and preaches at different churches. He has this amazing ability. When you're in his presence, although there may be thousands of people around, he makes you feel as if you're the only person he cares about being there. It just blows my mind. When you're around him, he makes you feel like you're the most important person in the world. He makes you feel as if he's been waiting all day long to see you. I find myself thinking, there are so many more people in this room, even people who are actually what I would call more important, people who have higher station or status in life are here. Why would he want to speak to me? You may be thinking this, but the thing is, he has the ability to make you feel like the most important person in the room. Then when you're done talking with him, he goes to the next person and he does the exact same thing. He or she is now the most important person in the room. I was trying to figure out how he does it, but in fact, it's because he's an encourager. I told my wife, I've got to learn how to do that. People feel so good about themselves when they leave his presence because that's what encouragers do. So I had a perfect example when I was writing the book of what an encourager does. I had him in mind. Well, the treat is I'm sitting in Dr. Jerry Edmonds' office right now getting ready to interview him, the, the guy that I wrote about in the book. And I wanted you to hear from someone that has that gift of encouraging. We're going to talk a little bit about his story and, and get to learn more about him. But first, I just want to welcome uh, Jerry. Thanks for being on the podcast today. It is my pleasure, James. Thank you. I That is, uh, I, I guess, one of the kindest things that uh, anyone has ever said in, in regard to me, and I deeply appreciate that. I'm encouraged. <laughs> it's so funny. We were talking when I was scheduling this interview with him. I've coined a phrase now that after we got through talking, I have been jerried. In other words, I've been encouraged. Every time I talk to him, I get encouraged. In fact, I get challenged. It gives me a new perspective, and that's what encouragers do. Encouragers are there to lift people up because everybody needs encouraging. Everybody needs encouragement. So, Jerry, I want to talk a little bit about your background, kind of where you grew up, how you came to faith, and that sort of thing. Am I right that you originally from Oklahoma? Yes. Yes. I was I was actually born Shawnee, Oklahoma, for the most part raised in Oklahoma City. I spent a little bit of time in Los Angeles area, but for the most part, it was Oklahoma City. And uh, it was there I really found a relationship with the Lord, and, and uh, that was solidified when I was about 16 years old, just about to turn 17 years old. 
began the ministry shortly after. I mean, literally, I was in, I was saved for a couple of months. <laughs> oh, and I started, uh, I, I started in the ministry. I, I uh, pastored my first church when I was 18, and I joke with everybody. I said I didn't hardly know whether Jesus was hung or shot, but I was so in love. I mean, he saved me. He, he saved me. In that, I found his kindness. I, I found the goodness of the Lord. Maybe it was the kind of thing that, um, you know, Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, the same loves much. I don't know whether that's the case. I don't know how much mischief you can get into by the time you're 16. But one thing is indeed true. I fell in love with the Lord. And so I began ministry almost immediately. And so in 1972, I, I uh, began ministry and very shortly after started pastoring a church. And for the most part, with the exception of uh, about 15 years where I traveled as an evangelist, if that's what you could call me, I've been pastoring that entire time. And I pastored uh, in Oklahoma City and uh, 19... Uh, Lord, I'm trying to go back to the last century. <laughs> uh, 1993, I moved to Elgin, Texas. And that was when I began to travel. And I traveled for about... Uh, 10, 12 years, somewhere in that area. I don't even know how long it's been, really. And then from there, begin to pastor the church that I'm presently at. So uh, my entire lifetime has just been has been uh, uh, ministry and and uh, walking in fellowship with the Lord and and uh, dealing with people based on that relationship. And I think you know you mentioned concerning encouragement and and. Uh, all of those things, those are the things that I found from the Lord. He was, he was kind to me. He was, he was good. And when you really see that, what the Lord has done, it's very difficult to not give that same expression to someone else. But James, that uh, again, I, I want to just say how uh, honorable that, that statement is that you've made that that means an awful lot that really does that's that's something that I will always treasure and that's the truth whenever I was writing a book I had different chapters I had different people in mind and of course those of you that have listened to the podcast very long know that when I wrote the book about the chapter about serving that my mother was the person that I had fully in mind and if you'll go back to I don't know what episode it is but I've inter- interviewed my mother two different episodes about serving. It's just one of those things that when you know somebody and you have an example of what that gift is, it's just something that, that gives you a handle on it. And it makes you, when because encouraging is not real high on my list. Um, I'm teacher, uh, perceiver, leader, server, but encouraging is kind of down the middle of my list. But So that's one of the things that I've always aspired to is to I want to be an encourager. So when you have someone that's before you that can do it and can be such an example, then that's someone you can emulate. We came to know you, like I say, I think it's 2004. We had started the church. My dad and I had started the church in Princeton, Texas. Then we had a little worship team. It was me and my wife and my two uncles. My aunt and uncle were going to this church in Antlers, Oklahoma, and they asked us to come do the worship for their conference and we said, sure, okay, no problem. We went up there, and Jerry was the speaker. Now, when you're listening to Jerry speak, it's one of those things to where you're just you're just engrossed in what he's saying because it's just 
you can tell the experience he has with the Lord a while ago when he was talking about God, how it's so prevalent there. And God did some things through us. Jerry, how did, I know you said that you just, that you knew that the Lord just loved you so much. Is there anything that you can say exactly how you knew it? Was it just something you felt? Was it, can, what was that? Are you talking about in regard to kindness that, or rather uh, encouragement? How you, how you knew it, yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you the truth, because I, I see encouragement in this way is, is to make an impartation of courage. Most people need courage to do what they're, even if they're called to do it. They, there's, they need that fellow that stands there and says, okay, jump. You know, it's, it, that's an encourager, really. If you've gotten up on a high dive board and you're going to dive off and you're <laughs> suddenly common sense comes to play and you think, I'm not jumping, but you've got that guy behind you going, go ahead, you can do it, jump. What that what that person is doing is, is imparting courage for you to do really what you're called to do. And the thing with, with encouragement, it's so easy. It's so easy. I've, I really have kind of classed myself as a treasure hunter. I see treasure in people, and uh, I try to expose that. I, I find value. I find treasure. And uh, it ends up being encouragement. As a matter of fact, I asked the Lord one time, I said, because I've always been involved in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, prophecy, I'm, all of those things, even as a very young man, I prayed for. I, I sincerely was praying for, and God has certainly used me in all of those areas. But after the years, I began to look at it, and I felt like there was something deeper there, there was something more rather than just having a prophetic word. Sometimes I see people with gifts and they think it's for them. You know, it, I've got the gifts of healing. Well, it's not for you. It's for it's for people that are sick. And I I begin to sense something more that that God was calling me to, and and so I I begin to pray and ask the Lord. I said, I, I'm asking you to not necessarily forget everything that I'd asked for before, but in, a, in essence, I was saying that's not the most important thing. The thing I'm desiring isn't the gifts of healing or prophecy or all of those other things. I said, but I'm asking that you would give me the grace and the anointing to encourage people to find people that regardless of where they are, and I'm not talking about having some big line to give them. I'm asking even for something deeper than that. I'm asking the Lord that just walking into the room, that the temperature of the room will change. I, I like to to qualify it as being a thermostat, not a thermometer. A lot of people, they adjust to whatever temperature is in the room. But I wanted to be someone who was a thermostat, someone who can walk in the room and change the color of the room, not necessarily by preaching at people or whatever, but just by your presence being there. Because that's what I think that the Holy Spirit does. I don't think Jesus went in and grabbed people by the shirt and shoved them around. I think he was just there, and it was the grace that was on him caused people to respond in a different way. And if ever there was a time that people needed to be strengthened for who they are and what they believe, it's, it's today. People need, they need to be encouraged. 
And, you know, I've seen people who had great capabilities, but they were very selfish with it. You know, James, I, I remember when I was, uh, I was 18 and I was so young when I started pastoring that I, and I, I was just in love. I was in love with Jesus. And you know, when you're in love with Jesus, you literally, you'll hug a fence post. It don't matter. You're just, you know, you're in love with everybody. And I remember I went to a large church, and I was raised in the south side of Oklahoma City. Now, what that meant was we didn't have very much. <laughs> we we were southsiders. Now, we didn't know it. I didn't know it, you know, but uh, that's just, that was who we were. And I went to a church, and it was a little more of a progressive church. It was a denominational church, and it was in the connecting town to us, one of the suburb towns. I was in Oklahoma City. And I went to hear this guy. He was a national speaker. He had previously been a governor, and uh, he was a singer. And he had a couple of hit songs, and he was not my generation. He, was, <laughs> he wasn't my style, but I didn't care. Man, I just went and loved it. And uh, I went up to talk to him. And I, what I was going to do was just simply say, I really enjoyed your song. Thank you for sharing that. That's really all I was going to do. But when I got there, he wouldn't look at me. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And even as a young kid without the experience, you know, you get the message pretty quick when you're kind of beneath someone. And he wouldn't look at me. And, of course, at that situation, basically all you can do is, you know, kind of shuffle your way out, put your hat in your hand and kind of shuffle your way back. And, you know, the strangest thing, when that happened, I felt like, I heard the Lord say something. And it, yeah, even after all this time, it it still touches my heart. But I heard the Lord say something. And it was so simple. It said, and the Lord saw it. That was so powerful. What happened with this guy who obviously was something. And I, who obviously was not, whatever he was, I wasn't, but the Lord saw it. And that was, I didn't hear that audibly, but I might as well have heard it audibly. It was that clear. The Lord saw it, and that was tattooed on my heart. After And even after all these years, it is as clear today as if it happened this morning. And... I determined in my heart, I don't ever in my life want to leave somebody feeling like I felt. Now, listen, I wasn't damaged. Good gracious. I was 17 years old. and <laughs> You know, kids going to get bumped around and it's surely not that big a deal and a uh, big deal. You know, the guy was ancient. Of course, when you're 17, he could be 40 and he's ancient. <laughs> but the fact is, the Lord saw it and I knew that the core values, the the principles of God was not pleased with that. And I wanted to please the Lord. And it was something that that it was, you know, it's kind of like values are caught more than they're taught. That was one that I caught. I, I, I responded there. And I determined at that point that it didn't matter uh, who it was. I wanted them to understand their value. And the Lord, because I'm a hugger. I, 
<laughs> I sometimes scare people, and I don't mean to. I've just been a hugger my whole life, you know, and some people, when they're not used to it, it's like hugging a two-before. <laughs> they're pretty tense. But the Lord spoke something to my heart at, during that time. He said, when you're going to hug one, you have to hug them all. You can't, you can't be selective who you embrace or who you accept or who you receive. And so those values begin to establish who I was becoming. And even though I may not even become the person that I intended for many years, yet that was still one of those uh, tuning forks. It was a sound in my heart that rang all the time. And I was very careful. As a matter of fact, I even got for a long time, <laughs> I would find the most unlikely person and sometimes the most undesirable person, and I would try specifically to go pour into them. And it, so it became something that, that the Lord framed that in me. I, I guess I'm grasping for words. I haven't talked about any of this in years. Uh, the Lord just kind of established the core values of that. And I find it to be an act of kindness. Of course, I always tell everybody, I said, from the Lord's standpoint, he's given me uh, a double portion of his loving kindness. I know, I know what that is. I do. And... Isn't it so crazy? You know, you get to talking about the Lord. And his presence shows up. It reminds me of that, that scripture in Malachi. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Malachi chapter 3, verse, I think it's 16, 17. And it said, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, And they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it and said, A book of remembrance will be written for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name. And he said, They'll be mine. They will be mine in that day when I make up my jewels. And I think even when we get together, <laughs> oh well I'm I'm trying. When we get together and talk about the Lord, his presence always shows up. <laughs> so anyway, that was that was something that God birthed in my heart at a very young age. And I feel like my gift isn't to tell people what to do. I feel like my gift is to get people to dream. I, I see it. Maybe it's a part of the prophetic. I don't know. Maybe the prophetic operates in my life, and I see things about people. Because even in the prophetic, you don't... You, what What is really revealed in a prophetic word is the plan and the purpose of God that is revealed. We're not soothsayers. We're, we're prophetic. We, we see the plan and the purpose of God. And so I, I see something in people, and James is even like you. I mean, the quality of who you are and your ministry and what you are becoming 
and the ministry that God's called you to, and the it's even what you're doing with podcast. I really, truly, from the very core of my being, believe that you are literally on the cusp of something that is phenomenal as far as reaching the world through the internet and through your podcast and through through that medium. But I feel like that's my call is to see the the treasure in people, and and I know that's a long way around for me to try to answer. <laughs> <laughs> that question. You pin it in a quarter and you get a lot more than you thought. But that's that's kind of where I came from. And that's that's been the thing that has has uh shaped me. And I and I will just say one other thing concerning being an encourager. Um sometimes you have to get your mind off of yourself. You know, a lot of people they can't encourage anyone else because of selfishness. They think it's all about them. And there's no trust that when you humble yourself before the Lord, that God lifts you up. And even those of you that are listening, I would just, I would, if I could use this term, I would encourage you to to make the decision to be a treasure hunter and to find quality in people, to find value and help that come to the surface. Because a lot of people have it, they just don't know how to get it. They don't know how to bring it to the surface. And sometimes it doesn't come to the surface without someone telling them is seeing that. Let me let me just say this one thing. I I think that's a I think that is something that is a need within us. One of the greatest needs in young men is to be acknowledged. Maybe different in girls, but in young men is to be acknowledged. And the only one that can really acknowledge your manhood is a father figure, someone in that, in that, and those that don't have father figures, you're going to acknowledge them. You don't have to love them. You don't have to respect them, but you will acknowledge that they are a man, even if they have to do it at gunpoint. And as a matter of fact, you hear a lot of young men that's in prison that didn't have fathers. And that's what they say. I don't care if you like me or not, but you will acknowledge me. And I remember even when I started in ministry, I was a young man. I could not have been more loved I could not have been more cared for. Uh, I was in a loving home, but I couldn't see myself as a man. You know, it was like I could see you as a man. You were doing the same thing I was doing, but I couldn't see myself as a man because I needed a father figure or somebody like that to come and say to me, Jerry, you are a man. And I went through several years of struggle. Now, what that says to me is the fact that there are things in us that can only be released when someone else sees it. And I think that's the power of encouragement. I think as we see treasure in people and as we see value in other people, not only do we encourage them with it, but we release them into their gift. We release them into their treasure. Well, let me give him a chance to kind of recoup there. I think one of the things what one of the things that's really challenged me is when I learn about and you guys that are not of the same stream that we are and that sort of just kind of indulge us a little bit. When I learned about the prophetic, when I begin to operate in the prophetic, I learned that the New Testament model of of prophecy is different than the Old Testament. The Old Testament they had to be somebody, the prophet had to be someone that brought correction all the time, somebody that gave direction. But the New Testament is is to to give encouragement, to uh, lift them up, build them up, edify, you know, that sort of thing. And one of the things I learned is that we are to bring 
call the gold out in people. And I've had this happen so many times when I was at church, and this is what's helping me understand how I can become more of an encourager because it happens when I'm in the operating in the prophetic is I'll see something about someone. I'll see how God sees them. God will show me how he sees them. I mean, there's been times that I even feel how he feels about them. I love that. I really love that when I get to feel that. And I'll start and I'll say things about and I'll tell them how God's feeling about how God sees them. And afterwards, the pastor of the church, because I don't know these people, the pastor said, do you? She said, I can't believe you said that about them because they are this way. They are this way. They're this way. I said, but that's not how God sees them. God wanted me to tell him how he saw them. And so that's that's the gift of encouraging is is letting them know how valuable they are. Tapping into that that need for self-worth, knowing that you're valuable, knowing that you are valued. You know, I want to throw something in here. Just what you said really triggered that for me. You said you you would Hey guys, I just wanted to break away for a quick moment to remind you there are two different ways that you can actually help sponsor this podcast. Number one, you can go to the website for the book, the Discover You book, and the website is discoveryou-book.com, discoveryou-book.com. There's a link that will send you to Amazon, and for $9.99, you can have your very own copy. Secondly, in the description of this podcast, there is a link that you can click where you can go and set up a monthly monetary donation. Any amount would be great. Any amount would help us. So please consider sponsoring and help joining those that are already supporting us. I appreciate you guys for listening. And now back to the episode. Give a kind of an encouraging word or what we would know as a prophetic word over somebody's life, which again is just a glimpse into the plan and the purpose of God. That's why it's always edification, exhortation, and comfort is because it's a glimpse. It isn't fortune telling. It is giving them a glimpse into the purpose of God. And I'll never forget one time (laughs) I was speaking and I called this guy up and I started telling him things and saying things to him, and they were wonderful. I mean, they really were. They were incredible. <laughs> and, and the pastor told me later, he said, that's the worst guy in the whole church, man. He's the biggest troublemaker. And, you know, I felt bad. I thought, well, you know, how, how could I say something like that over someone like that? But the Lord began to deal with me that he is always, through everything It doesn't matter the mess you get yourself into. You could become the biggest troublemaker in town, but God is always calling you back to your purpose. He's always saying, do you remember what I called you to? You know, it doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter how far you are separated from what you were intended to be. And again, you could be you could be in trouble with the law and trouble with your family and in trouble with everybody else and someone referred. But God's all the time saying, do you remember what I called you to? And that's why the words that you see in people, and don't ever underestimate that because there'll be times when you'll see a treasure in them and the outside appearance may not necessarily reflect that. But in God's heart, that's what he called them to. And God's always saying, and that's what an encourager does. An encourager calls them back to say, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember the value that God put within you? And I think that's a key thing. Don't back up and go by outward appearance. If we went by outward appearance, a lot of times we wouldn't, we wouldn't say very much to anybody, you know. 
but God wants to use you. And I would just, I would really just speak to you to make the decision that wherever you go, you'll never leave people in the same condition they were the way you found them. Now, you, may, you don't have to have a Messiah complex. It's not up to you to save the world, but you can say something. You, you can say, and your words are powerful. Words go right down to the core of who they are. And they don't hear it very often. They, they get a lot of discouragement, you know, someone who depletes courage from them, but they don't find very many people who makes a deposit. So that's a great way to look at it. So as I began this year, I tried to, I was asking God, what, what is my word for the year? A lot of people are always asking for one word that they can go on, one thing they can focus on. And I felt like he wanted me to say, be present. Always be present. And I have this tendency because of the visionary part of me and the task-oriented part of me is to always be looking past the present into the future. Always be looking. So no matter where I am, I'm always looking ahead. And he challenged me to be present. And I've tried to practice this even in restaurants. When the, the wait staff comes up and they introduce themselves, I, I try to purposefully and intentionally stop and look them in the eye and just be cheerful with them and, and engage them in a friendly manner. I don't I mean, I'm not carrying on a whole big conversation with them, but they could have left the worst table in the world and come to your table. If you look in them, them in the eye, especially when they say, hey, my name is so-and-so, I'll be your server. Hey, Jeff, I'm so glad to see you today or something like that or, you know, whatever it is, just be present. And that's something that I've learned. Those of us that encouraging is not as doesn't come as easy for us. It doesn't come as natural to us. That's one of the things we have to do. We have to be intentional. It's like, you know, mercy is my very last motivational gift. It was my dad's number one. That's why we had to, we saw things differently. But I, you have to, even though it's a one of your weaker ones, you need to, you have that gift and you have to exercise. So I have to be intentionally merciful sometimes. When I want to tell someone, you got a problem, build a bridge and get over it. I have to intentionally practice mercy, and my wife helps me with that a lot. But the encouraging the same thing. If it doesn't come as naturally to you as it does for Jerry, purpose in your mind that you're going to just find one person per day, one I person. I think sometimes it's, it's habit. People, they, they're not in a habit of doing it, and so it becomes very uncomfortable to them. And I think it's sometimes it is a matter that you and, – and I'll tell you something else, James. I, I think it really is also assuming the role of a father or a parent in a situation. I mean, many times people need someone who's in control and can settle the temperature in the room, somebody who can settle the dust in the room. And uh, I think that's what people are looking for. And uh, you know your strength. You say you say that's not your your uh, uh, motivational gift. I it's hard for me to imagine that that's not your motivational gift because you seem to do it so easy. But uh, the I think the strengths that that we all look for are things that have to be cultivated. And I'll just tell you something else. One of the big things I think in um, in learning to really be an encourager is to not be afraid of being hurt. 
uh, a lot of times people are so intimidated. It's almost like I'm, I'm, I can't even say anything around a crowded group of people because either I'm afraid of what they're going to think about me or I'm uncomfortable, but it all centers around the fact of you not being comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's one of the big things is, is you learn, you realize who you are, and then you learn to settle in that and minister to people from that. You're not trying to fix anybody. You're just, you're just finding value. And I have found some of the most gnarly, big, mean-looking people that you'd ever find in your mind and in, in your life, and you begin to say something of value to them. And it's amazing how the walls come down and they embrace that because they need it. I think we need that from one another. Don't let the terms, some of the terms that we're using, because we're coming from a spiritual backgrounds. We're both preachers. But when we say minister to someone, that's just basically you're administering something to them. Everyone's called to administer. You know, the language is maybe different, but it's all the same basic principles. The principles are if you value, if you will value other people, if you will add value to them, that's what John Maxwell always says, add value to someone. Always add value to someone. When you add value to someone, you're ministering to them. We are to encourage people. We're to administer encouragement, administer value to people. Because the thing is, is if we show people that we value them, then it's going to make their whole perspective change. It's going to help them to realize that they do have a place. They do have a place in this earth. That's one of the things that helps me because I have this tendency, and, and I'm overcoming it, I have this tendency to to dog myself so much. I'm, you know, I'm my own worst enemy. And I, so I, I look at myself and I go from, I start falling back on my old insecurities and all my own things like that. But when I'm around encouragers, uh, Jerry being one of them, and there's a, a, a young girl that's kind of one of our adopted daughters, and when I'm around them, I begin to feel that that worth, that self-worth again. I begin to experience that again and I realize, yeah, I do have something to say. I am valuable. People do value. Uh, in fact, she she's constantly telling me, she says, you're, you have such an impact in my life. You've, you're so important to me. And people want to hear that. People want to know that they they matter to you, and it doesn't. You don't have to be all gushy and and stuff like that. It's just just acknowledging them. Sometimes is all it is. And like I say at the restaurant, just look them in the eye and be cheerful. Don't don't let what just happened to you. Don't let the the things you're going through, the struggles you're dealing with. Don't let that taint what you have to say and what how you act. Make an intentional decision that you're going to connect with someone, and it's just, hey Jeff. How are you doing today? That sort of thing. And whenever they come back, always be cheerful about it. Even if they don't get your order right, if they don't get your, practice it. Practice it. And the thing is, it's going to make your life easier. It's going to make your life better, and it's going to help them. You know, I, let me just add one more thing to that. Um, something that has really been on my heart is kindness. I mentioned it a few moments ago because I really feel like I've experienced that from the Lord. Uh, what an amazing model of kindness that he's been. But kindness is seen in acts that you do. Second uh, Peter, I'll give you a scripture where the Bible talked in Second Peter chapter 1. He said, add to your faith. Now, this is something that you have to add. You, you can't 
you can't pray, God, give it to me. He says, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge, and to your knowledge, temperance, and to your temperance, patience, to your patience, godliness, to your godliness, brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness, charity. And he said, if these things be in you and abound, they will make you that you're neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and he can't see afar off. Of course, I'm quoting from the King James Version here. They can't see afar off and he's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so what that's saying is, is that that's why people who lack these things uh, life doesn't work for them. They Life falls apart be, because they got bad attitudes. He said, add virtue, the quality to do what is right, uh, temperance, uh, patience, uh, brotherly kindness. I mean, you never thought about brotherly kindness being something, how you treat other people, acts of kindness as as to being the determining factor as to whether life works for you or don't. And I'm just telling you right now, people that are not kind, people that are mean, people that are, life doesn't work for them. They may skate by for a little while, but that's contrary to the way life was designed. And when you go contrary to the way life was designed, baby, I'm just telling you, it ain't going to work for you. And so that's this is how you make your life work. And he said for to add kindness and the and the thoughts that you have the deeds that you do and i don't care who you are uh right now there's something you can do for somebody that would be considered kind uh, that, that you go to them and you say to them basically you have value and what what you mean by that is what well, you didn't have to do that that was very kind of you to do that see that's kind of what it would be like and, and you have the potential to go and do that right now. You don't have to go to school for it. You don't have to go buy something. You All you've got to do is just go and show an act to do something maybe that was undeserving or uncharacteristic towards somebody else. And it's called kindness, and it makes life work for you. And the, But it says those that don't have those things, life doesn't work for them. Everything that they hope for falls apart. And eventually, I'm telling you, it'll come back and it'll burn you. You're going to have to have it. You've got to add, and that's your responsibility, add kindness today. And James, as you're talking about that, I just really think that's a that's something that we have a responsibility. Because I can go do that right now. I can go to the store, and I can be kind to somebody just as checking me out, or I can say something, or I may, I may want to give something to somebody. You know, I, the story of Jesus, whenever he was uh, having the Last Supper and Judas was going to betray him, uh, G, he, Jesus told him, said, what you do, go do quickly. And Judas got and left the table. Everybody at the table thought that Judas was going to give to the poor or something like that. Now, what that says to me is Jesus was so known for giving something to someone, for helping people, that they assumed just when Judas got up that that's what he was going for. And I think, my goodness, that's what I would want. I would want, I would want to be so known for kindness and generosity that whenever a movement takes place in my life, that someone would say, he's on his way to go help somebody. <laughs> but that's a decision, isn't it? I mean, it really is. And that's a choice that people have to make. Unfortunately, they make bad choices. Right. They choose to be lazy. They choose to be offended. And let me just say, 
the only thing that can be pride is the only thing that can be offended. And sometimes people are so offended because they have a pride problem. <laughs> so do do something good for somebody. Make the decision right now to do something good. And when you're kind, you have to be vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to be open to someone because you're letting them see into you a little bit. It's intimacy. You know, the word we, we kind of take that word and say, into me, you see. It's the intimacy. And so there is a chance that you may be rejected. There's a chance there may be they may come back at you unkindly. And so I, I feel like that's a lot of times why people are afraid to do it because they're, they're, they'll be vulnerable. I, I think that's a problem with most people. They can't be in relationship with anybody because they're not willing to be transparent and vulnerable. Being vulnerable, you've got the perfect word there. Being vulnerable is the key to any relationship. And without vulnerability, uh, you'll have a, a relationship that's carried out being stiff-armed or rigid or uncomfortable, or they'll never be your close friend because you don't trust them or whatever. You've got to be vulnerable. Uh, there's a TED Talk. Brene Brown does a TED Talk on vulnerability, and she's a social scientist and at the University of Houston. And, and if you get a chance, Brene Brown, check out her TED Talk on vulnerability. And she talks about a relationship cannot be a strong relationship unless there is vulnerability, unless you are open to each other and you have the potential of being hurt that you can't have a, a real relationship. Even if it's just strangers and you just want to do an act of kindness to a stranger, you have to be willing to say they may reject it and not be hurt by that. And how many times have you ever heard someone say, I'll never be hurt again? And that's the person that says, I'll never be vulnerable again. Mm -hmm. It's uh, amazing because in fact that, when we met Jerry, that service, the, one of the services he was ministering to, he called Sharon up, my wife, to talk to her. And she's had things happen to her in the past uh, through church people. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Church people can be some of the most hurtful people in the world. They make poor choices, a lot of them. And she had been hurt a lot. And he began to, to talk to her and minister and the Holy Spirit began to do a work in her, and some things that she thought she had dealt with from years gone past, he said the Holy Spirit's doing a deep work. He's rooting out that hurt, and Sharon and I both have this tendency to stay closed off from people. That's one of the reasons why I did the whole podcast on rejection, because I've experienced it, and we've kind of retreated to our own little world and tried to stay there because we don't have many relationships, many friends. We, we gripe because we don't have any friends, but it's inconvenient, you know, it's never, that's never perfect. And it's all this stuff, but people, so we've had to learn, we've had to open ourselves up to relationships and open ourselves up. And maybe that's something that you've had a difficulty with is, is dealing with people because you have, you've been vulnerable at once at one point and it came back and bit you. And so you don't want to do that again. If you're going to be kind, if you're going to be an encouraged, you're going to practice encouragement You've got to do that. You've got to let yourself be accessible to people and let them see you for who you really are. And whether they accept it or reject it, that's not your responsibility. It's their responsibility. And this is the whole reason why I wrote this book is so we can be comfortable in our own skin, knowing who we are, what our purpose is, what our giftings are, and being 
being sure of that, and that way we don't have that apprehension when we uh, have to deal with people. You know, let me just throw in one other thing about relationships, because I really believe that the greatest gift that God gives us is one another. It's relationships. Uh, a couple of little cute things that I always tell people, relationship is spelled T-I-M-E. It requires something of yourself if you're going to be in relationship with somebody. you got to make an investment into them if you really want it. But I believe all the movement of your life, and this is why it's important for you to, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, and even to be an encourager because that opens the door is the fact that all the movement in your life, all the movement in your life comes through people. Now, the Bible says that promotion comes from the Lord, and it may come from the Lord, but it comes through people. And uh, I, <laughs> I joke with people. I say, when God wants to bless you, he sends someone into your life. And when Satan wants to curse you, he sends someone into your life. But all the movement <laughs> and all the things that happen in your life come through your relationships with other people. So, oh my goodness, what a value. What a value is found. And, and you need to treasure that. And and always keep an on-ramp. Even people who offend you, hurt you, don't don't burn the bridge. You've heard that term. I think you need to always keep an on-ramp for people to come into your life because sometimes they don't know how to get there and you have to provide that for them. But uh, the relationships are key. It's, as a matter of fact, it's not just key. The, the whole purpose in life is not, I'm sorry, it's not about you. It's about what's in you and what you give to others. And it's so important that you value that. And once once you value that, then suddenly now you've got something that you can give to them. And you don't have to have much. You don't listen, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a lot of money. But you have words and you can say something. You can just find somebody. I don't care who it is, somebody. You can call them on the phone. Some of you haven't you have family members that you haven't told maybe you haven't seen in years that you could just call them up and say, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you and I love you. And and that is golden because some people never get that. To have someone say, I love you and I care for you and I'm praying for you. Are you kidding me? And But you can do it. And look, it's so easy. It costs you nothing. It, it doesn't cost you anything. But yet we hold it so exclusive. But I believe God's got a plan for your life, but it's going to seen, it's going to be seen and it's going to be expressed and exposed in your ability to pour out yourself to those around you. And without that, um, well, you'll live life and you'll die. And at the end of your days, you'll wonder, what in the world have I invested? Because of your time, you can spend it or you can invest it. And you invest it by putting it in people. So that's very important. Relationships are important. So make the decision to be an encourager. I want to wrap up by this one statement. You may have a response to it, but this is kind of, I'm going to go into my preacher mode. Preacher mode. God has deposited an aspect of his glory, an individual aspect of his glory into every person. In other words, a, a, uh, a facet of God in each and every person. That's why there's no duplicates because God has so many facets. The um, scripture calls it the multifaceted. Uh, God is multifaceted. He's like a diamond. Every time you turn, there's another 
reflection. There's another aspect of it. And what I challenge people is he's got a specific an individual aspect of himself in you that if you don't let me see it, you're cheating me. You're cheating those around you if you don't let them see the aspect of God's glory, how he made you. If you don't let people see that and see that that part of God, that beautiful part of God, if you don't let them see it, you're cheating everyone around you. That's why we need one another. It's because we all need to see because we learn more about who we are and we learn more about our Father by being around other people and getting to know them and getting to see their their viewpoints, getting to hear their their stories and that sort of thing. That's just one of the things that I feel like that we need to understand is we are made for expressing God's glory to one another. And yeah, I didn't mean to get off in my preaching stuff, but well, we're going to wrap up, finish up the podcast today. I hope you have something is that we've said has challenged you. I hope something that we've said has uh, strengthened you. You have anything else you want to say? I sure appreciate you. You are my friend. And I'm very thankful that uh, God brought you into my life. You're certainly an inspiration to me, and what you're doing is so great. And I can't wait to see what the next chapter of your life looks like. <laughs> I want to help. I want to discover that with you. Thanks again for listening to the Discover You podcast. Again, don't forget to go to the website, discoveryou-book.com. You can download the first chapter of the book. You can order the book. You can get the assessment. Also, I uh, have a Twitter handles discover you pod discover you pod and then uh, i've got an email address also discover you pod at gmail.com discover you pod at the gmail.com don't forget to subscribe to share on your social media if this helps you and you feel like it would help somebody else share it on your social media and let people know about it also if you want to you can partner with me there's a link on the podcast page that you can become a monthly partner with me uh, this podcast, I've got people that do that to help us defray costs. Um, I look, I like to go travel and do interviews face-to-face. I'll, I'll have to at some point do interviews over the web and, and things like that, which is okay. But there's production costs involved. There's equipment costs involved. There's things that are going on. But I believe, I truly believe, and talking with Jerry, that this is my calling right now. I believe that this is what I'm designed to do, and this is my way of adding value to you and to your life, and I hope that it has. All right, well, we'll talk to you again later, and we'll hope that you'll listen to the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Discover You with James Hooper. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you like to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter at DiscoverYouPod. Or you can email us at discoveryoupod at gmail.com. Discover who you were meant to be.